for New Testament reading is this morning from Philippians in the third chapter, beginning at verse 17, and continuing through verse 21. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the 15th chapter of Genesis, the opening 10 verses. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer. Three years old, a female goat. Three years old, a ram. Three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. After these things. So begins the 15th chapter of Genesis. These things, they included Abram's rescue of his nephew Lot, who had been living in Sodom and who was captured by the forces of the kings who had made war against the cities of the Dead Sea region. These things included the blessing that had been bestowed upon Abram by an enigmatic priest of the God Most High named King 
Melchizedek of Salem. These things included the division of spoils by Abram after his victory over King Chertolomer of Elam and his allies. The opening of this 15th chapter then comes at a time when things were going pretty well for Abram, but despite the way things were going for Abram, Abram was still uneasy. He was uneasy about his heritage. He was worried about the future. We know this, for it's addressed by God as he visits his servant and greets him with the opening phrase, fear not. That would have been unnecessary if Abram had not been troubled in spirit. But Abram is troubled in spirit, and that dis-ease is on display in his response of, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. There it is. For Abram, his glass is half empty, as it is with so many of us. Can I get an amen? Yes, I know. The world's on fire. Armies are on the march. Civilians are being indiscriminately targeted for murder. Nuclear plants are threatened. Atomic forces are reportedly on heightened alert. The greatest refugee crisis since the last world war is underway. Global financial markets are in steep retreat. Gas prices are at stratospheric levels. Fuel supplies are being disrupted. The North Korean regime is developing an intercontinental ballistic missile system. There's a global pandemic still out there. And yesterday morning, I woke to a thunderstorm and temps around 60 degrees. And within 12 hours, it was in the 20s with snow and a wind chill in the single digits. But other than that, other than that, yes, it can be hard to find some good news in the midst of all these sobering headlines, unless you aren't looking for it in the headlines. Eliezer, that's the name of Abram's chief steward, a man who had grown up as a slave in Abram's house for many, many years. Now, his Hebrew name translates to God is help. That's both what Eliezer has been to Abram, a helper who's been supplied by God, and it's what God has come now to remind Abram of, that God himself is helper to Abram. Abram has been, as evidenced recently in the, out, in the events that are outlined in the previous chapter of Genesis, and he always will be as evidenced by his presence here again in chapter 15 and the covenant he has come to cut with his servant, Abram always has been helped by God. This same God 
is the God who was our God just 30 years ago. In March of 1992, as the world reflected on the Olympic Games that had taken place that previous month in France, and as we looked ahead to the Summer Games, back when they were held in the same year, which would be coming in a few months in Spain. We were basking in the afterglow of the collapse of the former Soviet Union and the constitution of the Russian Federation. The Berlin Wall had come down. The Iron Curtain had been removed from Europe. Conversations about a lasting and just Middle East peace were viable as Yitzhak Rabin was poised to win election as Israeli Prime Minister on a platform of land for peace with the Palestinians. Armed hostilities had yet to break out in the Balkans. No foreign army was entrenched in Afghanistan. South Africa was on the road to overturning apartheid rule. Allied forces of three dozen nations had returned triumphant from their mission to liberate the people of Kuwait from the grasp of a neighboring foreign dictator and gas supplies and prices were free and were back down to a buck and a dime a gallon. For a brief shining moment 30 years ago, it, it looked as if humanity was on the road to peace and prosperity, the likes of which we had not known in generations. Even the biggest pessimists would have had to grudgingly admit that the proverbial glass was at least half full. And God comes to Abram at such a time in his life. And Abram does what so many Hebrews are stereotyped for doing right then. He complains to God. But rather than allowing his servant to wallow in self-pity, God tells him straight away that the way things are today is not necessarily the way things are going to be tomorrow. And that, I think, is worth our remembering. How happy were we 30 years ago? Did we appreciate the way things were? Or were we then bemoaning the fact that this wasn't good enough and that should be better? Well, I probably did more of the latter and less of the appreciating. God makes here a promise, a promise to his servant Abram, a promise of what seems to be impossible. I've already supplied you with this blessing and this one and that one too, yet the more blessings Abram receives only seems to make Abram all more acutely aware of that which he has not yet received. And God comes here. He comes now to reassure his servant that he wasn't done yet. To be sure, Abram wasn't perfect. We've acknowledged that though he had no unmet needs, he certainly had some unmet wants. As the story unfolds, we'll see that he's got plenty of other foibles. But for all that, to Abram's great credit, he does 
have faith in God and in his word. In other words, he trusts that which the Lord tells him. Even though he he doesn't fully understand the how, Abram understands the character of this God who has chosen to cut a covenant with him as God is here doing at the start of Genesis 15. That's what's with this ritual of all the animal sacrifice going on here. It has been observed that the only constant in this world is change. Even as it relates to something as seemingly constant, uh, for example, the way that we measure the passage of time. But we are reminded yet again this morning that even that is subject to rather arbitrary alteration, and I don't much like it, The great insight which Abram has in the midst of this episode, an insight which I believe was a pure gift to him by the Holy Spirit, is that God in part, I suppose because he's not simply in this world, but above and beyond it as well, God is constant when it comes to his word. It is unchanging. Once God makes a solemn promise, swears an oath by himself, It is binding. Abram puts his faith in that word. And we are told here, the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Well done, Abram. Well, it turns out his faith was not misplaced. As the story unfolds throughout the book of Genesis, God does again and again and again. Just what he tells Abram he is going to do both for and with him. Abram is on a tremendous adventure here. He travels through time and space. He wanders through the fertile crescent out of Ur and into the Jordan Valley, the land of the Canaanites. He'll trek down into the land of Egypt and His travels take him through the years, living nearly a century and a half. And no matter what place it is, no matter what year it is, the same God is with him. That may not seem as revolutionary today as it was then, but it bears repeating as it reveals to us something particular about the nature of the God of Abraham and our God as well. In his day, it wasn't uncommon for a tribe or a collection of tribes which comprised a nation to have a patron god or gods. There were local deities who oversaw the divine affairs of a particular region. What Abram was experiencing, though, was a god whose presence wasn't limited by geography. In his day, if people knew they would be traveling outside the sphere of influence of their hometown deity, they would often take with them an idol, an image of some sort, which represented the presence of that God with them. Abraham needed no such avatar, for God really did go with Abram. In fact, his God went ahead of Abram. And no matter where Abram went, 
he would find the same God already there. Abram came to understand and appreciate the fact that he could rely on God, on his word, and on his presence through this sojourn on earth. As we pass through the wilderness of this Lenten season, we would do well to be reminded of this very same truth. For our citizenship is in heaven. We can rely on God, his holy word too, and his holy presence with us. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow in standard and daylight savings time. In winter and spring and winter again. In a pandemic and an endemic filled world. In bull and bear markets, in expansions and recessions, in life and in death. I believe, O oh Lord, help thou my unbelief. I know you are with us in the midst of it all. You've given us all that we need and so much more, and yet still, still we want that which we don't have, more peace, more prosperity, more health, more happiness. Help us, as you did your servant Abraham, to trust in your goodness, in your providence, in your timing. May our faith, like his, be one day reckoned unto us as righteousness. And for that, we may truly say thanks be to God and amen.